afternoon and welcome to SJ at Noon. Rory McGoran along with Jamie Nugabauer, the Nugs on a virtual edition as SJ at Noon relocates to a new home. We'll be back in studio next week, but right now, a little bit of virtual action, Nugsy, and there was plenty of action this weekend in your Sask Lotteries recap that we'll talk about, but uh, none bigger than the Melford Mustangs and the Humboldt Broncos. Of course, the Broncos beat the Mustangs on game one on Friday, but then it gets protested by the Mustangs, overturned by the league, and they replay the final nine minutes and 37 seconds on Saturday before their original scheduled game. And the Mustangs turn around, defeat the Broncos 5-2 in the makeup, and then an electric finish where the Broncos come back from behind, defeat the Mustangs 6-4 and pick up the two points uh, that they originally lost and they picked up. So a split on the weekend. But what are your opinions with the protests of the Melford Mustangs, the overturnment by the league, and just how everything rolled out. Yeah, I mean, you hey, you, you have to do that if you're the Melford Mustangs. You yeah. have to. This isn't just for fun. This is serious business, right? Like, Trevor Levins has to put his team in the best possible position he can. So, that being said, I'm stunned. Stunned <laughs> that the league agreed to do this because usually – in this situation, league just say, sorry, like the ref made a mistake. Here's a couple chocolate bars to make you feel better. That's what most leagues do, Rory. Yeah. I had a situation, I'll run through this as quick as I can, a bunch of years ago where uh, I, there was a penalty shot and a shootout and a goalie kicked the net off super clearly. Mm. And uh, the guy on the other team scored or put in the net, but they called the goal off and whatever they protested, the league said, uh, you're right, that was a protest. So they went back to another rink, those two teams, and, and started the shootout from that moment, and then the kid missed the shootout, and the game was over anyways. So these kind of things, you know, have happened before, but usually, Rory, it doesn't, and I can imagine inside the Humboldt camp, there was some, like, just let bygones be bygones, but, you know, yeah. I, I can't can't blame Melford. You can't blame Trevor Levins. You can't blame Melford at all. It was the incorrect call on the ice. And if people are still wondering uh, kind of what took place, the Melford Mustangs took a five-minute penalty, uh, Zach Summers checking from behind. Then following that, about a two minutes into the penalty, they took two separate two-minute penalties. So the Broncos were on a lengthy five-on-three. They scored a goal to make it three-to-two by Noah Barlaghi just as the first minor expired. So what should have happened was the second minor, Nolan Dole, serving a bench penalty, should have came out of the of the penalty box. He wasn't taken out. Broncos remained on a five-on-three, scored again to tie it up. So yeah. that was the protest that Nolan Dole should have came out of the box. It wasn't like a missed call or a blown call. It was something, uh, a mistake by the officiating crew and timekeeper's box for not taking Nolan Dole out. So no, you can't blame the Melford Mustangs for protesting that. But do you think it would have been easier for the league if they just would have let bygones be bygones? Because have they opened up a little bit of a Pandora's box now for fringe protests about things that, you know, are borderline pushing the Constitution and, and just trying to get, you know, coaches trying to get their two points back? You know, I, in my experience with Bill Chow as the commissioner of the SJHL so far, I think he's actually been really good with common sense. and. I think SJHL 
you know, fans and, and teams everywhere, every league in the world loves to, you know, complain about this and that and the commissioner <laughs> this and the referees that. But I think Bill Chow is really, really good with things like this with common sense. I'm not literally, I'm not just saying that. I think he really is. So, you know, this is sort of something that you can measure, I guess. Like, you know, there was that situation between Notre Dame and Battlefords earlier in the year, and I was frustrated on the air because there was that non-call but that was a referee's decision, right? Like that was just, this, this is a, yes. this is a bookkeeping error. Yeah. Uh, so this is a clear and obvious mistake. And and again, I think they go to Bill Chow and Bill Chow says, okay, like common sense is this is what we can do. And the thing is Rory. And, and I, I'm wondering if you heard anything about this. My first thought, my first thought when I heard yep. about this was that boy, are the humble Broncos unlucky that the Melford Mustangs and the Humboldt Broncos are supposed to play each other the next day. Lucky in that you guys could, like the Broncos could make amends right away, but also yeah. unlucky that it would have been, it was made it really simple to just do this. Um, sh- Sure. Lucky or unlucky. I know who was lucky and it was the fans in the building because mm-hmm. they weren't only treated to, you know, a fantastic game afterwards, but you know, they technically got two games in and you could see that over the course of well, 69 minutes and 37 seconds, that the energy between the players, the energy in the crowd, uh, it provided that extra boost of maybe hatred to a rivalry that didn't need any more. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, that's the real thing. I mean, I'm sure, and again, you know better than me, but I'm sure Scott Barney isn't sitting in his room crying right now. Like he's, he's, he's happy that his Broncos, got to play against a team that, you know, you know, the Broncos have been great all year. The Melford Mustangs are just as good as the oh, yeah. Humboldt Broncos. Like the, the difference between these two clubs is, is minuscule and that is great for both teams, both Trevor Blevins. And, and that's the, really the bottom line, Rory, the fans got entertained. We got entertained and both Barney and Blevins saw their guys go at it and learned a lot. And that's where you learn when you play against competition like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the Melford Mustangs are right there among the top yeah. of the league. And their 10-game winning streak proves that. Of course, it was snapped in the subsequent game. But uh, when you talk about the top team in the league, the Melford Mustangs are in the discussion 100%. And how about the weekend for Lo- Marco Lopez again, who's on a nine-game point streak. Nolan Dole, who, of course, we'll talk about later in the show. But uh, the Melford Mustangs are a wagon. And uh, it, it just added a little bit of entertainment to the league to get us fired right in to the, the postseason run for a lot of these teams who are trying to jockey for position. But uh, if the Broncos and Melford Mustangs beat in the playoffs – it, it, it'll be a fun scene for everyone involved. It'll be, it'll be fun. I, you know, I think uh, another element to all this obviously is that, uh, you know, teams are on teams are off. Uh, you know, there's less practice time for everybody as a team. And, you know, I'm very interested to talk to Jason Tatarnik, uh, the head coach of the Esteban Bruins later about how all this is affecting how he's trying to run his, his hockey team. Uh, but what we've seen in the NHL is with teams on and off is that, the games have been f- so exciting and so entertaining because it's not perfect. It's a little sloppy. There's more mistakes. There's more scoring chances. There's more chaos. And chaos is what brings entertainment, Rory. So uh, that's what kind of happened between Humboldt and Melfort, too. And two great teams, but lots of chaos. And uh, again, everybody wins when the, when the hockey's entertaining. 
It's your Sask Lotteries weekend recap as we navigate through SJ at noon. We'll be, we, we will be joined by Jason Tatarnik, the head coach of the Van Bruins, and Matthew Perkins, uh, the forward of the humble Broncos, 2004-born rookie, who congratulations to himself, who was ranked 117th, Kevin Anderson of the Notre Dame Hounds, 119th, and Connor McGrath, 128th of the Humboldt Broncos, for all being mentioned on the NHL Central Scouting midterm draft rankings. An incredible accomplishment, Nugsy, for those three mm-hmm. players and for the SJHL to have three of the, I believe, 11 in the CJHL. It's great. Yeah, and you, Rory, we, we've talked about this all year, right? The thing that is – one of the things that is so much fun about the league this year is – and it's not just Scott Barney and Humboldt. It's not just Brett Pilkington, Notre Dame. Lots of, lots, of, lots of teams, lots of coaches in the SJHL are giving young guys key moments, key opportunities – key power play situations. I mean, we talked, we talked a lot about Noah Wills, for example, in, uh, in Melville, you know, no Logan Linklater in Kindersley. We'll talk about the Clippers in a second here, but they, you know, he's gone to Regina, but he got lots of opportunities. So they'll have to, you know, give Tylen Hillbig lots of opportunity in Kindersley. So again, young guys, you know, the SJHL has had this reputation, Rory, for a long time of being, you know, an old farts league, you know, 20 year olds from major junior, nowhere to go, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's, getting out the window because yeah. guys are giving these kids opportunity and you know kevin anderson obviously tons of opportunity for notre dame and and deservedly so uh and obviously mcgrath and perkins uh, again nobody could have pers- predicted how good those two young guys would have could have been for humboldt this year uh but it's big time kudos and kudos to the nhl for paying attention as well absolutely i think you see with these young players the work they put in during a year where hockey was taken away from them yeah big time kudos yeah and that was another thing we wondered like how would be guys in the gym and and everything and and rory i'll ask you you know obviously around the duncan mcneil arena and whenever notre dame goes somewhere i see nhl scouts like watching kevin anderson so it wasn't like a crazy surprise to me that that kevin was was up there how how many nhl scouts have you seen uh, will follow in perkins and mcgrath around uh, I mean, I don't follow them around the arena, Nuki. So but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> um, I do. I do know of a few games. Yes, they were yeah. they were in house in the building taking at the showcase, taking too. an eye uh, at the showcase for sure. Yeah. Uh, taking an eye on the whole league, and then subsequently down the season uh, in other odd games, taking an eye on not only the humble Broncos but their opponents during that game as well. Yeah. So that's that's just you know great for everybody yeah absolutely so the Hubble Broncos Melford Mustangs uh you know they put their nonsense behind us uh, where were you on the side of the protest you can't blame Melford but are shocked that it happened was that your final uh, sort of uh sum it all up I I, I, I uh, I'm happy when justice is served justice is so rarely served in this world so hey bring on the chaos especially when it doesn't affect <laughs> my personal feelings uh so you know hey again as I'll say it again Bill Chow, great with common sense. And I think common sense prevailed. That, yeah. and, all, and again, it would have been very hard, not impossible, but very hard for the humble Broncos to come back again in that situation. Uh, but kudos to the Broncos for finding a way the, in, the, in game two of the same day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as I said, it was, uh, you know, being a part of the Broncos organization, we've, that's now game 40 for them. And mm-hmm. last night was the craziest atmosphere of the season. We'll put it mm-hmm. that way. So, you know, the, 
you can you can thank the league as well for that for the fans who uh, yeah. got entertained to one one fun night for sure. Yeah, and the, and obviously the people in Humboldt aren't stupid. Like they know which game to go to and which games to you know the team really really needs the zip and the jam for I guess and. They picked. They they knew they knew who the Melford Mustangs were. The the people in Humboldt know the SJ very well too, and um, so they showed up. And kudos. Absolutely, it's a it's a shame they only play four times during the season because yeah, yeah it, it it would be a natural rivalry if there ever was one. It is one. We'll be joined by Jason Tatarnik and Matthew Perkins coming up a little later in the show. A couple more games to talk about this weekend. Of course, a, fl a flurry of postponements to no one's surprise. Hopefully, you know, moving ahead to the next couple of weekends, it won't happen as often uh, as what we expect. But the Battleford's North Stars and Kindersley Clippers moved their games around to be order in order to play this weekend, which is, I thought was very smart. Originally, we're supposed to play different opponents who were on the shelf. So they're like, why don't we play each other and get two games out of the way? Great schedule arrangement. And the Battleford's North Stars and Kindersley Clippers put on great and close games. Uh, Lowen Kenyon in his first shutout for the youngster in the first one, and then a back and forth affair in the second one. But Battleford takes both victories. Yeah, and, you know, no uh, no Michael Harash available for, yeah. for Battleford. So it's a situation where they bring back Austin Schwab back into the fold. He was lurking in the North American League for a while. Of course, the, the son of uh, longtime NHLer Corey Schwab, uh, New Jersey Devils, a little bit with the Leafs, I think. Um, so, you know, back in the fold there. But, uh, you know, again, the the Kittersley Clippers uh, dealt a pretty heavy blow by losing Logan Linklater to the Regina Pats. Obviously, if you're not aware, the Prince Albert Raiders had his rights. He played with them in the Regina Hub. Uh, and then he was traded at the deadline on the January 10th deadline to Regina. And so, you know, how would the Clippers respond to, you know, their best, you know, skilled player uh, being out? And, you know, they gave the the Stars uh, uh, a couple of hard games and both Schwab and uh, and uh, Kenyon had to be very sharp for Battlefords. But on the, the flip side, Rory, you know that uh, whenever these two do battle, Kindersley and Battlefords, it's always going to be a war. Yeah, absolutely. Holden Dole picking up the overtime winner in a back-and-forth affair and talking to Nick Nielsen, the play-by-play -play broadcaster of the Kindersley Clippers, said it was one of the most entertaining games of the season as well with the yeah, Clippers yeah. and Battlefords going back-to-back. -back. Uh, expect to see a little bit more of this as we try to navigate through the tricky situations with teams making up schedules. Maybe if a team goes out that they'll just jump around and play someone else that might be available that night. I hope so. I mean, again, it, I think it's a situation to Battlefords and Kindersley not too far away from each other. You know, obviously the, the Battlefords North Stars, uh, you know, a lot of con not control, but good, re really good relationship with their rink there in North Battleford. And, you know, same with the Clippers and their rink there in Kindersley. It's not it's not the, the easiest scheduling everywhere else like that. So I don't really know. My prediction, Rory, is actually that we're going to see lots of hockey into mid and late March. Um, sure. But, uh, like a, couple, a couple games needing to go yeah, uh, yeah. after what the season was intentionally meant to shut down. Yeah. But I mean, I you hope the other the last issue that I'll think about I'll say about this, obviously, is you don't want to pack games too tightly. You know, you got it. You can't get you know, have guys injured and, and, you know, God, you know, knock on wood, no mother outbreaks and whatever, but say you got like a four and five or whatever, and you're already shorthanded to start with, 
you know, that's not even good for the healthy kids. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting situation to, for sure to keep an eye on. Yeah. And I mean, what it does, Kindersley Clippers, Battlefords, they move to, they play two games and then also now um, in hindsight, will open up two two days later in the season where those games should have been. So now they filter in the Flin Flon yeah. game, Orange there. It's going to be tough for a lot of teams to juggle around, but uh, it's, it's not impossible for sure. And teams are finding out a way around it. Yeah, hey, as I said earlier, again, praising Vilchow for common sense. I love when people can just use common sense. Yeah. I think it's common sense that what uh, Braden Klamosko and Ken Plaquin did here with Battlefords and Kindersley to to fit those games in. And, and hopefully there's more good communication, again, because it's not always easy, right? There's so many things to travel and buses and food and whatever. So there's just so many details and hopefully common sense starts it all the uh the battle for north stars pick up two victories over the kindersley clippers as we get your sass lotteries recap uh summed up before we jump into nippon and melville which was the last game we missed on this weekend i just want to know because the notre dame hounds are in that same window and uh get a perspective on the hound side of it where they're on the shelf of course there was you know, a couple positive tests as, as, as we all know, but the hounds are under a different umbrella because of the, the school. So do you have any insight on, mm-hmm. on, on what's happening with the hounds and when they'll be available? Cause it's not just a five day sit down isolation. Yeah, yeah. It's a little longer, isn't it? Yeah. Well, again, there's, there's lots of, lots of issues at stake for everybody, but the, the situation of course, with Notre Dame being a school is that there's, you know, outbreak with the students and staff yeah. and, and the town and whatever. So, you know, part of the issue is with the hounds being, you know, they were shut down for seven days, not five, because well, that's seven, what the league, uh, the, that's what the province told them. Uh, and then the, the other issue for this week coming up is they were supposed to play Yorkton tomorrow mm-hmm. and Yorkton's on the shelf. And then they're supposed to have two home games. So if Notre Dame is closed, nobody's allowed to come into Notre Dame, the home games gotcha. against the uh, Battlefords and Kindersley and whatever, uh, or Humboldt and Battlefords, whatever it was supposed to be, uh, are, are uh, on the shelf too. So, you know, people can't come in. So maybe the junior team is fine and out of the woods mm-hmm. with COVID, but if somebody can come to Notre Dame, then they still can't play. So again, it's a, it's a week-to-week thing. It's a it's a behemoth situation. I mean, you know, Scott Barney and the Humble Broncos has to worry about the Humble Broncos. You know, the Notre Dame Hounds have to deal with the junior A team and like 300 staff and students and the, the everything. It's just crazy. So sure. Um, you know, it's, it's really like a week to week, uh, uh, thing up in the air. If the hounds were out of their seven day window and had a road game against a team that wasn't in this situation, would they be allowed to play or do they just got to wait out kind of until the school's ready? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, like it's all being judged week to week. And, sure. and I think today, obviously being Monday, um, it's a week since the, the shutdown. So I guess things are being, like officially, officially determined today. Um, so, so that the answer to that question is, uh, is unknown to me. <laughs> At least you're honest. Yeah. <laughs> All I'd right. One be. more game this week, getting your SAS lotteries recap before we'll take a break. And then we'll bring in Jason Tatarnik, the head coach of the Estevan Bruins on SJ at noon, the virtual edition this week. And it's the Nippon Hawks, a big home win in the cage four one against the red hot Melville millionaires, uh, cooling them down as the millionaires still in that tight playoff window down uh, with the seventh and eighth position as well, jockeying with those teams, but a uh, big win for Tad Crozen and his crew with the Nippon Hawks. 
Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we saw, uh, you know, the first sort of portents of the fact that the Nippon Hawks have remade their decor, right? Like yeah. they've brought in Trey Fouquet, you know, they have uh, Evan Borda still, Xander Stewart still there, Cole Beeman still there, but um, you know, they're healthy, they're back too. And again, you know, as well as I do, Rory, that going into the Centennial Arena, no matter the state of the Nippon Hawks is always tough. And um, if they can score a goal or two, then it's never easy in there. And Harmon Laser Hume also yeah. pretty impressive in that game as well. He's a another young goaltender to keep your eyes on if you're not familiar with him and with the Hawks. Yeah, 27 of 28 uh, saves, and um, you know I uh, we gave him the the rookie of the week. We'll get into that in a bit, but again, uh, it's a thing too. Where again, that decor is built to play. They added Brendan Lee too, who I really like from the Kenners League Clippers. Uh, you know, makes the, makes the, again, no disrespect, Nippo and goalies are generally very, very good. Uh, but that playing in that rink, those D-men know that barn, it's a weird and wacky and wild one. And they did a good job and, and, uh, they went down one, nothing to the Hawks did Nicolas Samson with a goal in the first. Um, but then, uh, you know, they didn't fold, they kept working and they kept battling and they pumped 15 shots in the second period to five for Melville and, um, you know, I guess what that is really is a sign that this Nippowin team is playing hard for Tad Cozen. They like mm -hmm. him. Um, you know, they're bought in, I think, to what some of the things he's preaching. And I think for the rest of the year, the Nippowin Hawks are not going to be an easy out for anybody. Absolutely not. This is your SAS Lottery's recap. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll welcome in the head coach of the Estevan Bruins, Jason Tatarnik, next on SJ Noon. Welcome back to SJ at Noon. Rory McGoran alongside Jamie Neugebauer. Virtual edition this week as we find a new home for SJ at Noon. But very happy to welcome in the head coach of the Estevan Bruins, Jason Tatarnik, for your Capital Auto Coaches Talk. Jason, and a big congratulations is in store, of course, your 500th win of your coaching career. Let's start with that and how that felt to get that notch under the belt. Oh, thank you very much, uh... Yeah, it's uh, it's an accomplishment for sure. It's a it's a big number when you really look back and look at it, and uh, it takes a while to achieve. And um, I'm just fortunate enough to to do it, uh, you know, this year. And I've had some great players and uh, worked for some good organizations over the years, so I can't complain that way. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> we'll have to work out the virtual edition trying to <laughs> trying to guess who, who's getting the question next. But uh, Estevan Bruins defeat the Kindersley Clippers 1-0 for your 500th win. And then, of course, during these crazy circumstances, uh, uh, with, with the five-day shutdown, how was that for your group trying to navigate through the COVID-19 situation with the shutdown? I know you're back on the ice, so the boys are probably excited to get going. But just going through that, how was it, through the how was it for the boys <laughs> going through that? Yeah, it's, it's tough. We just get back and uh, starting to play again, and then we're shut down for uh, five days at a minimum. So um, it was tough that way, but uh, maybe a little break was good for us, to, uh, um, you know, because we've been practicing. The tempo's been really high on uh, over the weekend here, so you know, maybe it was good for our guys. I don't know if we'll, we'll see coming up here on Tuesday, but uh, – no, the guys dealt with it very maturely and um, they understood the process and uh, everyone uh, did what they had to do to get back. And uh, so here we are. Yeah, I'm very curious, uh, Jason, from a coach's perspective, from a directive perspective, 
uh, you know, trying to stay sharp during this time. Obviously, you guys got to hit the ground running. There's no excuses when the puck drops, obviously. So what was it that you and your staff specifically said to your players? Hey, like, we want you to be ABC during this time. Yeah, no. First of all, we uh, kind of kept to ourselves and um, we kind of we minimized any uh, community programs that were involved. We kind of took them away from our plates and just kind of focused on getting better. You know, the guys that were negative, we told them to stay away from the public to remain that way. And um, obviously trade deadline came and went. And uh, so we're sitting here with 24 players. So we have eight defensemen and 14 forwards. And uh, no, obviously that's um, create some competition within our group um, because not everyone can play every night. So, you know, your time in practice and what you do in practice is uh, important in terms of playing time. So um, that competition has been created. So that's been welcomed by our group and definitely by our staff. Hurt. So one of the things I love to do is uh, go down memory lane. All hockey coaches love to be nostalgic and go down uh, memory lane. I was wondering what players over those 500 wins really stand out to you. I'll tell you the guy that stands out to me about your coaching career a uh, guy that I got to see uh, and just blew me away every single time I watched him was Jordan Kawaguchi. Uh, obviously, the Texas uh, Stars AHL forward uh, went on to North Dakota and whatever. But what are some of the players that uh, really stick out? I know you don't want to play favorites and get any angry text messages, but what are some of the players over those times? Yeah, Jesus. There's, um, there's a few. Um, definitely my teams in Woodstock, we had some really good teams during my time there. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, the numbers that Justin Bowers put up, Lachlan McIntosh, uh, uh, McIntosh went on to win three national championships with UNB, um, Tim Campbell, um, that was an anchor for our team that brought us to the national championship along with Nick Hurd and Andrew Langan and, you know, I had some really great players in that program. And then my move to Chilwak, obviously you mentioned Kawaguchi, uh, Dennis Chalowski, um, Mark St. Clair and Nett. Um, there's quite a few players that came through that program. Um, you know, I look at my goaltending, Polino, uh, St. Clair, um, just, just outstanding players. You know, Vincent DeHarnay, you know, Edmonton draft pick. Um there's been a lot of good players. So when you go through that list, it's, you can understand why you, you reach 500 wins because, you know, you had some pretty special players playing for you. And Willie Calverly, who uh, was in the same organization with me in Ontario in North York and was the captain of his TELUS Cup team and was your captain in Chilliwack. And now he's a captain at RIT and he's a Hobie Baker candidate there too. So incredible leader, incredible groups you've had. Yeah, yeah I'm very fortunate. We're joined with Jason Tatarnik with your Capital Auto Coaches Talk on SG at noon. Jason, navigating through the 500 wins, going back through memory lane, does any one of those wins stand out to you and something more of importance, you know, you really hold, hold close to your chest? Uh, you know, during my time in Woodstock, we had such a rival of Summerside. Um, and every one of those games was pretty memorable, especially the playoffs. Um, you know, very passionate. Um you know, probably one of the, the, the best rivals I've seen in a long time. And then you move to Cholak and, um, 
same thing. We had some battles with uh, Wenatchee, Langley, Penticton. Um, I guess uh, I guess the game that I remember the most probably is in Woodstock in the the championship uh, finals. Uh, it went seven games, went to four overtimes, and uh, we scored early on to, to to win it and to advance. And uh, and we just we went to the regionals after that, marched through that, and you know went to Humboldt and uh, lost to Penticton in the the championships with a minute left. So that game is pretty memorable. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to go back to this little break that you guys are having. We all know how the intensity in the SJHL has incremental levels after the Christmas break. It picks up another step heading into the playoffs. It's another animal. The playoffs in general, uh, you know, intensity is at an all time high. But how are you guys using this break? Because you, you said you can you can find a positive at it to kind of retool the group and get it ready moving forward when we know the intensity is going to pick up for the Esteban Bruins on his final push. Yeah, obviously there's a there's a race right now within our league and for positioning in the standings um, right through uh, one to eight. And there's teams on the outside looking in at that eight spots and there's a battle that way. And there's a, a battle for the position up top. So we, we sit there, we watch it. Um, we get to listen to all you media guys and feed that to our players. Everything you guys have to say and who's going to do what, and who's going to do this. <laughs> um, so we paid attention to the, the Melford humble games this, uh, yeah. this, uh, weekend, which were, uh, interesting, but you know, I know, I know there's some opinions on it, but I understand. I, I agree with it and because it affects a few teams and, and, um, it's probably more beneficial for us to have Humboldt win both games, um, <laughs> in regulation to be honest. So, um, but yeah, we just kind of watched and, to uh, what people have to say. And uh, we have discussions within our, our group to see what we want to achieve and uh, use every little, everything, everything you can for motivation that you can. So we, Rory and I <laughs> talked about that. Sorry, Rory. Rory and I talked about that in the Sask Lottery's game recap about kind of what went down, but uh, you know, everybody out there knows now at this point that there was a play, the wrong player came off the ice and, Things like that. But the question I have for you, Tarts, have you ever seen a league say, hey, like, we got it wrong, like, let's uh, reverse? Have you ever seen something like this before? Is this brand new for you? No, I, um, I can't remember. I, I know what, I can't remember if it was the RBC Cup or the Western uh, Canadians, <laughs> um, but they had to replay uh, a portion of the game at the tournament because um, it was uh, it was a rule that was uh, – uh, placing incorrectly, so they had to redo it. And I can't remember which one it was, but um, yeah, as far as me, I probably would do the exact same thing as the Melford Mustangs did. Um, probably would have protested the game just because it puts you uh, on a five on three for a period a little bit longer than you should be. And um, it um, changes the outcome of the game or changes, um, you know, what the situation should be. Um, no, if ref makes a judgment call you know, on a penalty, et cetera, stuff like that, that's fine. But when it's actually a rule of how many players you're allowed to have on the ace, sure. And, um, you know, you're, you're kind of not being allowed to do what you're supposed to do. So I understand it. And I probably would have done the same. I actually would say probably would have. I would have did the same thing. <laughs> well, yeah, as me and Jamie said before, there's no fault to Trevor Blevins at all for, for, for protesting what was an incorrect decision during the game. But, 
for yourself, was it as entertaining from an outside perspective watching the whole thing unfold? <laughs> you know, I, I I figured that nine minutes would be pretty pretty passionate. <laughs> so, uh-huh. you know, I was picking up a player from the airport. So <clears throat> we had the game on um, hockey TV, just kind of listening to it on the way home. So, um, yeah, it was uh, creates a little bit of atmosphere. I'm sure the fans sounded like the fans were right into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and um, no, and then I just create the emotion and environment for the second game, I guess you can call it. So, yeah, absolutely. We're joined by Jason Tatarnik, the head coach of the Estevan Bruins, with their Capital Auto Coaches Talk. Uh, just another word on the Estevan Bruins. You mentioned that, uh, you know, it's a tough situation having to sit five games, but now that you guys are ready, you're back on the ice, you're going to play tomorrow. Uh, what's the mindset of the group moving forward, uh, knowing they're still in a race there trying to get the first place in the SJHL? Well, we, we have to try and prove Newsy wrong because he said that uh, Melfort's going to pass us. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's that's our mindset, right? We want to win as many games as we can uh, the second half. Um, we want a home ice advantage um, in that first round and <clears throat> throughout the whole playoffs if we can, if we're lucky enough to keep advancing. Um, so our, our mindset is, you know, it's a, a game in Nippon that we want to win, and it's a big game against Melford. You can call it a four-point game. So, um, you know, our intensity level of practice has been pretty high, and that has to carry into those games. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my address for, uh, for a check you can send for the fuel uh, to the fire that I've provided uh, so generously to your, uh, to your team there, Tarts. Last one for me, and Rory and I touched on it on our show a couple weeks ago. But I haven't, uh, you know, been able to formally talk to you or ask you. Uh, obviously, Kalen Fitzpatrick committed direct West commitment to Niagara D1. Uh, just talk about Kalen. How proud are you uh, of him, and uh, how great is this for the Estevan organization to have him in your lineup every night? Yeah, we knew it was a matter of time before he uh, had a an offer on his table, and um, you know we weren't surprised by it, and. Uh, no, he's a, a a player that's uh, you know he's he's young, but he's a man. Um, you know, he's a big, strong kid. Um, he's a, very offensive, um, and uh, he competes very hard. He's a is a a gym rat. Like he's he's his fitness levels off the charts. So, um, you know, we're proud of him. We knew it was going to happen, and uh, we you know we look at it now, and we have the guys like Keegan Little and. Uh, Zachary Burfoot and other call, <coughs> excuse me, the college eligible guys. Um, just a matter of time for those guys as well. So, um, you know, we're an organization that prides itself as uh, opening every door for you. We don't close doors. If you, you know, if you want to go the major junior route, if you want to go the college routes, um, CIS, we're going to help you get there. So, our, our big belief is uh, we don't shut doors, we just open them. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Once again, congratulations on the 500th career coaching win and uh, best of luck moving forward with the Estevan Bruins when you return to the ice tomorrow with your team. Thank you very much. And you guys uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Jason. There was Jason Tatarnik with the head coach of the Estevan Bruins with your Capital Auto Coaches Talk. We'll take a break and then we come back. A little Players of the Week action on SJ at noon. Welcome back to SJ at noon. Rory McGoran, the Nugs with you. Big thanks to Jason Tatarnik with your Capital Auto Coaches Talk. Uh, joining us last segment, we'll get to a little Players of the Week here, brought to you by Precise Temp, before welcoming in 
Matthew Perkins, one of the three in the SJHL on the NHL's midterm draft rankings. Players of the week, Nugsy, uh, Holden Dole. Actually, a bunch of the Doles are getting shout-outs tonight, and it is Holden Dole picking up the MVP overtime winner for the Battle for North Stars. Yeah, good old Derek Dole's going to love this one. Papa, Papa Bear out there. But yeah, overtime winner. Uh, the Battle for the North Stars were already so good in tight games and another overtime winner for them. And got a little breakaway right before uh, that one, or not too long before that one. DeGrace for Kindersley had a breakaway, and then Dole uh, back the other way and snapped it home. And again, uh, that, that Battle for the team is clutch when they need to be. Well, younger brother Holden Dole, your SGEU MVP of the week, and it's older brother Nolan Dole, the RBC forward of the week, and he's been on an absolute tear. Uh, well, the two games, he was sat out five, but against the Humboldt Broncos, he came to play. Yeah, I mean, when he came over from LaRange into a Melfort team that plays very different style, some people wondered how he would do, and he's answered. He's been absolutely lights out, a couple more goals. Yeah, and when you when, when your team kind of gets that uh, – you know, I, I only imagine what was going through the Melford Mustangs head when they headed into Humboldt and having to, you know, replay the game as well up by one now, but Nolan Dole in the, let's call it first half of the game that took place in Melford, the one that stood had two assists. And then he came back in the last nine minutes and 37 seconds and scored two goals. So technically, although 40 or 24 hours apart, uh, four points in the game for Nolan Dole. Yeah, and uh, again, that that he his line mates protect the puck well, find him in spaces, and and he boy, is there a guy in the league that has a better release than Nolan Dole? Uh, hard to hard to find. Your Mayfair Diagnostics defenseman of the week, second week that uh, he'll get this this year. It's humble Broncos defenseman Noah Barlogi. Yeah, it feels like the 03 birth year defenseman's been in the league forever. Hey, eh? I guess you probably know better than me, but uh, again, a couple more points. I think the offense is something that he's just added to his game maybe more this year. He was really bread and butter kind of before, but uh, he's kept it simple, grown his confidence, and now he's producing on a regular basis. And uh, he's been able to climb up the rankings, and I guess you could put a little bit of that towards the Flint Flon Bombers being on the shelf for so long, but he's now climbed one point back of Xavier LaPointe of the Bombers for the league lead in defenseman scoring. Yeah, and uh, you know, doing it again, as an eighteen-year-old as well. Yeah, eighteen-year-old, and again, he does it the right way. I mean, he's not trying to go end to end and dangle, but he's very, very smart. His hockey IQ is huge. Hmm. Just puts pucks in good spaces and yet lets those talented Humboldt forwards do the work for him. Really, in a lot of ways, deserves a lot of credit. I saw he went end to end and scored a nice goal too. Yeah. But uh, you know, he's got that in his toolkit now with that confidence. That's the biggest thing, and. You know, obviously, big bro in, in the dub has all this offensive ability in the world. So clearly, the Barlogi family knows, knows how to create offense, too. Yeah, Noah Barlogi, your Mayfair Diagnostics Defenseman of the Week. You don't often see three-year or 18-year-old three-year veterans in the SJHL also. Yeah, again, we talked about uh, Scott Barney putting trust in young players. He's put trust in uh, Noah Barlogi for, you know, since Barney's been there, basically. So kudos. Another young player picking up uh, an accolade this week, your Sastel goalie of the week, is a shutout, first career in the SJHL, Lowen Kenyon. Yeah, young uh, young guy there in Battlefords. Also worked with uh, former Battlefords goalie coach Travis Harrington, uh, who's now actually Notre Dame's junior A's goalie coach, but he was Battlefords goalie coach for a long time. So he was the guy that, I guess, brought him in there to Battlefords. And, again, uh, you know, very, very talented, uh, you know, not sure where Michael Harash is. So if Kenyon come in and 
do what he did against Kindersley, then Brendan Kamoff's going to be laughing to the bank. One of the most uh, athletic goaltenders in the yeah. league already at his age, but one that has to be because I think he's 5'9", which you don't often see, uh, you know, that often uh, that short of a goalie in this league. Yeah, you know what? He reminds me a lot. Uh, and this is funny because he's a young kid too. He reminds me a lot of Kale DePape, right? Like not big, but just in position because of that athleticism and, and did a good job against Kindersley. Another strong goaltending award. It's your direct rest rookie of the week, and it's going to the Nippon Hawks, Harmon Laserhume. Yeah, again, uh, situation there. That gave up an early one, shut the, re- the door the rest of the way. And you know, Rory, as well as I do, that sometimes, you know, you give up one goal and you shut the door. That's just as good as a shutout because that gives your team all the opportunity, especially, you know, at home in the Centennial Arena where that decor is starting to figure it out. Give, good for him. Players of the week, Holden Dole, MVP, Nolan Dole, forward, Noah Barlogi, defenseman, Lowen Kenyon, goaltender, and Harmon Laser Hume, your direct rest rookie of the week. We'll be back as we take a break and welcome in. It's Matthew Perkins of the Humboldt Broncos, one of three players that have been ranked on the NHL's draft scouting midterm rankings next on SJ Noon. Welcome back to SJ Noon. Rory McGorn along with the Nugs and very happy to welcome in Matthew Perkins of the Humboldt Broncos for your Super U player profile. Matt, thanks for doing this, and how are things going there in Humboldt? Uh, it's good. Thanks for uh, appreciate having me out. Well, I want to jump right into, uh, of course, the great accomplishment for yourself, for Connor McGrath, Kevin Anderson, and the Notre Dame Hounds, getting acknowledged on the NHL's midterm rankings. Just when you saw that sort of news come out, what did it mean to you to have your name you know, uh, among the, the list of North American skaters? Coming in at another number 117, pardon me. Um, felt pretty crazy, you know. I mean, it didn't feel real at the time, and it feels pretty awesome, you know, especially to have a teammate up there who I've played with before, so second year playing with him. So it's awesome to see him on there as well. And then, you know, another guy from the SJ, which is good, you know, also for the SJ. And really good for a team like us too, you know. People see that, and they want to come here in the following years and stuff, so. It's good for the program and good for the good for the league. Absolutely, I can't imagine what you kind of went through during you know even the, the beginning parts of the COVID nineteen pandemic when hockey was kind of taken away from you in a key point to your development. Looking back during that time and knowing the work that you put in when you weren't able to go, you know, on the ice or whatnot. But looking back at that time, are you you know surprised that it's 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 come the way it has now? And you can see your name kind of get recognized because I can't imagine it was a tough time going through that. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was definitely tough and, you know, it's good to see all the work get, uh, you know, get some results and see all the hard work you've put in finally, you know, come up and show some stuff for you. And so it's good, but it's, it's all come really fast. I'd say sure. mm-hmm. it seems like it's all came like all at once in a big rush and it's, almost overwhelming in some ways but it's awesome well how, yeah. how do you how do you sorry Nuji, how do you stay kind of composed during that because it has come fast you're 2004 born player playing in the league fourth in the league scoring right like i mean it, it, it's kind of steamrolled for you but how do you kind of keep a level head going through what is probably an exhilarating process uh yeah i mean it's been good you know i've got good team around me, uh, good coaches and everything around me. So that's good help. I always have people to lean on if I need to. And there's always people there for me. So it's good to have. 
Yeah, you know, Matt, uh, you know, first of all, very quickly, I got two quick ones for you. First one, what was the uh, text? What chirp did you send McGrath right after you saw that you were uh, whatever, nine or whatever points ahead of him? Uh, we were actually all at the rink when we saw it. So the first time when we looked at the list, we actually, we saw McGrath, but we actually didn't notice that I was on there. So we actually, we got off of it and didn't think I was on there. And then one of the other guys actually noticed that I was on there. So me and McGrath, me and McGrath had a nice hug. It was pretty good. Oh, uh, nice hug. There you go. Good teammate. So you weren't like, you know, oh, uh, like, I guess you're, I guess I'm uh, getting to the pizza first or whatever. <laughs> no, uh, about other thing. Jump in the front of the I've line. Waited. I've, I've waited for that one to use on him. Oh, okay. Hey, you, you hold that, uh, you hold that card in your back pocket. I got to <laughs> ask you too, Perks, uh, again, just a couple years ago, you're playing double A midget or U18. And now yeah. you're on the NHL draft. Let's talk about being quick, obviously, within your junior career, but just the last couple of years in your life, have you been able to reflect and just be like, man, like, where did this come from? Yeah, it's it's been pretty crazy, you know, starting to think my first year major, I separated my shoulder and played double A for the first six months. And to be where we're at now, it's it's pretty surreal and it's it's pretty unreal. It's a pretty surreal season you're having so far. You're sixth in the SJHL scoring. The only player, I believe, or the only 2004 born in the top 80 or something of, of the SJHL scoring leaders. But just walk us through this season because, you know, you don't often see this young little player jumping up to that much success. Is that uh, just due to opportunity and, and capitalizing on that with the Broncos in your first year? Yeah, I think I mean, I've been given tons of opportunity by Scott and the coaches. So that's been awesome. And, you know, we've, we've all made mistakes and it's, he gives it to, gives it to us pretty good sometimes, but you know, he's always good about it all. So. For sure. You know, again, you, we talked about uh, your teammate, Connor McGrath, they're uh, committed to Ferris state university. And uh, obviously on that list too, Kevin Anderson committed to Princeton university. Uh, yeah. Where are you going perks? Spill the beans. I don't know. <laughs> Not sure yet. <laughs> But yeah, what, what are those talks like? How's that feeling like, you know, having to, you know, try to be patient and, and all that too? What's that like for you? Uh, it's good. You know, sometimes you'd kind of like to just have it to be done with and kind of know sure. where you're going to put that behind you and focus on the rest of the season. And then also, you know, the draft coming up can kind of set some sights on that. But, you know, it, it takes time. So it'll come. It'll come. Yeah, uh, there's there's no doubt in our in our minds that it'll come and everyone that watches you play, of course. How was it playing this past weekend against the Melfort Mustangs? A bit of a little interesting situation with the Mustangs protesting, but what was it like in the room having to kind of, you know, wrap your head around that, all right, that game, we're going back and playing it for nine minutes, and then we got one following it. So how was that experience? Yeah, for, for sure it was weird. I mean, I... I've never done anything like that before. That's for sure. So I think it, everyone was kind of almost caught by surprise and it didn't, I don't know. Everyone kind of just felt out of sorts for that first nine and a half minutes or whatever it was there. Yeah. And then moving ahead to the second game, uh, of course I was in the building, but tough to match that atmosphere. What uh, was felt, especially in the third period during the back and forth comeback effort. What did you guys feel when you were playing? And after, oh, maybe after was... Casperi's fight, it was what kind of tooled it back up going the other way. Yeah, that that fight was pretty ridiculous. I 
I don't think I don't think I've heard this rant that loud all year. So it was it was pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of special, and again, I've talked about this on the show a bunch throughout the year, uh, Matt, is that uh, Moose Jaw Warriors U18s just keep producing, you know, top players in the SJHL. Uh, your your teammates, the last, you know, your first, your two years of U18 with Moose Jaw, just, it's a who's who of the 03s yeah. and 04s in a lot of ways. Uh, how, how many times, I guess, this year, you probably line up for a face. I'll be like, oh, hey, like it's Parker Jasper. Oh, hey, over there, there's, you know, DePape. And, uh, you know, obviously your teammate, Connor McGrath, obviously you guys were yeah. together there in Moose Jaw. So the, the list goes on. What was it about that uh, organization that's been producing such great talent? I mean, you know, we had, we had such a great group of guys in there and our co- the coaching staff there is awesome. Trevor, Trevor's awesome. And so are the assistant coaches. And I don't know, it was a special group. Like we made it to the max final and we were, we were undefeated in the playoffs until we got shut down. And now to see like, there's tons of guys like Fitzpatrick and Estevan as well. Right. I think there's, there's like a handful of dub guys too from that team. It's, yeah. If you look back on paper, it's, it's quite the team. Yeah, we should mention too, Rory, uh, Davis Fry on that team also, who uh, uh, was also on the NHL draft list. I believe he's playing in the Manitoba League, but uh, yeah, there you go. So then again, a couple NHL prospects from one uh, Moose Jaw Warriors U18 team, pretty cool. We're yeah. talking by Matthew Perkins, and Matt, I got one more question for you, and it's just due to the path that you took and what you could kind of lean on, you know, as you go through your junior career, and, and maybe help out some younger players because you weren't drafted in the WHL. And then all of a sudden, you know, your game develops and you having all these, all this success and, and ranked by the NHL, but you made the decision to now maybe not go right, play junior hockey and go the college route, just going through all that talks with your family advisors, the success you're having. Uh, is this something that you would talk to younger players about making sure to keep that window open? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always there's always a different way to go, and it's always different for every person. But you know, the talks that we had in my family, you know, my parents, I, and the, we decided that what would be best we thought for me would to come here for this year for sure and see what see what I could create from that. And it's obviously been working out pretty well, and I'm hoping to head down to the states for that. So. It's different for everyone, though. Like, I know a lot of my friends who were younger and said they wanted to go play college, and now they're playing in the WHL. Just, just make sure the situation's right. You know, you got to make sure you got good relationship with the coaches, you know, a good town to play in. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of different stuff to go through, but you can definitely, you can definitely tell when someone's the right fit, that's for sure. A hundred percent. And I'm, I'm sure you found it. I'm sure the success uh, will keep on coming for yourself. Can't wait to find out, you know, what's next, but for the humble Broncos, I know what your guys focus is. Thanks for joining us here tonight on SJ at noon and uh, nothing but the best down the road. Thanks. Have a good one. There was Matthew Perkins with his super U player profile. We'll take a break, come back and wrap it up with your CA road report next on SJ at noon.
Welcome back to SJ at Noon. Roy McGoran, Jamie Nugabauer, the news with you. Wrapping up your Monday with your CAA road report. Of course, big thanks to both Jason Tatarnik, uh, the head coach of the Estevan Bruins, and Matthew Perkins, who you just heard of, NHL draft rankings, 117th overall. Great accomplishment for him. Kevin Anderson and Connor McGrath for being mentioned on that. And now it's time for your CAA road report. And I'm not sure I've ever seen a Tuesday newsy with five games in action. Of course, one is postponed. But four games tomorrow to start your SGHL work week. And it features Flinflon, LaRange, and Estevan all out of isolation back on the ice. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how they do coming right out, whether guys stayed in shape, whether they guys they stay focused. But we saw a lot in the NHL again, wild score lines, defensive miscues, you know, eight, seven scores. I, I'm not saying that's for sure what's gonna happen, but I think it's going to be must-watch. That's the bottom line. Yeah, do you look – I mean, no team wants to sit out this ex- extended time, and especially the, the Bombers and the Ice Wolves, because they were just coming out of their Christmas break and now on, uh, you know, a lengthy string of postponements. So I'm sure both of them are ready to get back on the ice, but both in different trajectories. Flynn trying to get up to a higher seed, catch Melfort, catch the battle for it, right? They've kind of dropped down now, obviously not playing. You're going to get teams passing you. But the LaRange Ice Wolves are right in that playoff mix. So these are huge games for both teams coming up this week. Yeah, huge. Again, they have a rivalry, too, obviously being way up there. And another element for Flin Flon is you'd expect, and we don't have any information about this, but they were dealing with some serious injuries before uh, this whole shutdown happened, too. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, how, you know, given time for Cole Vary to get to 100%. And, uh, you know, all that practice time with, uh, um, you know, all those D-men that they brought in. So their their decor is going to be ready to go, too, health-wise. Again, the sharpness factor will be interesting. And you mentioned LaRange, Rory. They were one of the hottest teams in the league before getting shut down, too. So, again, we'll see if they can hit the round running. But, again, lots of practice time and lots of time to get healthy for those teams. So you got the Flint Flood Bombers and LaRange Ice Wolves playing each other on both Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday features three games. You're going to get nine games in the SJHL prior to the weekend, where I believe if there's no more postponements, you'll have an additional 11. So 20 games in the next five days. Yeah, well, we'll have a lot of a lot to talk about uh, yeah. next Monday, won't we, Rory? I also want to mention tomorrow night on SaskTel TV local Yes. Uh, I'll have the call uh, with a crack crew, not you, unfortunately, because he'll be busy with the Broncos in Melville as the Weyburn Red Wings uh, head to uh, the Kindersley Clippers, two very look, uh, new look teams in Kindersley on SaskTel and Rusty Cone and Bamboo Shoots. Obviously, you know as well as me, Roy, how good of a job, professional of a job they do. So really looking forward to that as well. Make sure you tune in, boys. Also, Rory, what can you say about Estevan Melfort Wednesday Northern Lights Palace, that's going to be a doozy. Well, I think you already, you got a tick in Jason Tatarnik's, you know, Hmm. naughty list for saying that the (laughs) Melford Mustangs are going to pass the Estevan Bruins. It's a big chance for them to prove you right or you wrong. Or I gave him content for his pregame speech. That's right. uh, And as I said, I'll give him my address for... uh, Lucy, I am sure you are fuel for a lot of pregame speeches across this league. 
You know what? There's no such thing as bad press, Rory. <laughs> it's your CA Road Report. Looking ahead to the weekend, of course, uh, the Notre Dame Hounds, the one team in a bit of limbo right now, being under the governance and umbrella of the school. It's a little bit of a daunting task for them, but it's great to see, you know, the likes of LaRange, Flintflon, Esteban, all the teams now get back on the ice, and hopefully we can, can, can keep it this way moving forward because – there's a lot of games that need to be made up and you don't have the SJMJ showcase now. So there's three days there where if there's availability and ranks, you'll see games start to filter in, but uh, it's going to be interesting moving forward to see how we navigate this. Yeah. I mean, hopefully guys who got it, you know, the Omicron aren't too sick and hopefully, you know, because they got it, uh, a lot of guys got it around the league and hopefully if they have great immunity now and, you know, again, hopefully we have a re- pretty regular rest of the uh, rest of the year uh, based on having a bit of a wacky January. So hopefully this is the end of the craziness. Ho- hopefully is, uh, yeah, is absolutely the right word. Big thanks to Jason Tatarnik for joining us. Matthew Perkins as well as the Humboldt Broncos. Thanks for you for listening to the SJ Noon Virtual Edition. I believe Newsy will be back in studio next week. You know, we'll find you know, out. You don't know? We'll You're the out. insight. I thought you knew. We'll find out. I don't know. (laughs) Have a great Monday, and we'll be back next week on SJ News.